With regards to nikah, because that is the topic all about, so nikah started off in heaven, started off in Jannat. First nikah was in Jannat, the nikah of Hazrat Adam alayhi salatu wasalam and Hazrat Hawa radiallahu ta'ala anha. And then nikah came down to earth and has been carrying on. And nikah is that institution that will continue in Jannat also. So nikah started off in heaven and will continue in heaven. And while there is nothing compared to Jannat itself, that is beyond our imagination and we can't even imagine or dream about Jannat. But in the context of what the objects of nikah are, then it can be made heaven on earth. There's nothing that can compare to Jannat, obviously. But what the object of Nikah is, in that sense, it can be made heaven on earth. But the words are, it can be made. It doesn't automatically just become heaven on earth. Though it has come from heaven, but left to be made heaven. And being heaven on earth is something that we can understand from this ayat of the Quran Sharif. Allah Ta'ala says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا That among the signs of Allah Ta'ala, can we imagine what is being said? Among the distinguishing signs of Allah Ta'ala, we talk about the natural phenomena and look at all the various makhluk of Allah Ta'ala and recognize Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is saying among those signs that Allah Ta'ala has in which a person can gain the ma'rifat of Allah Ta'ala is if he ponders about this أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا Allah Ta'ala has created from your own species Allah Ta'ala has created spouses for you but the point that we want to draw here is the object Allah Ta'ala mentions himself لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا so that you may gain tranquility, you may gain comfort, you may gain peace, happiness, out of this bond of marriage, of nikah. Allah Ta'ala created these spouses for this purpose. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا This sukoon, this tranquility, this peace, this is the object of nikah. And this is that aspect which cannot be acquired anywhere but in nikah. 
And without this being acquired via nikah, there'll be this void in a person's life. He cannot fulfill fill this void in any other way. Human being has various needs, necessities, basic necessities. When he's born already, he needs to drink, he needs to eat, he needs to be nourished, he needs clothing, he needs shelter. And then a time comes in life when this becomes a basic necessity that he needs a partner in life. And while there might be rare exceptions where a person can continue in life without even having even any need in his mind of such that he needs a, a wife or he needs a partner in life, the manner in which Allah has created us is that this part of life comes when a person has this need, like his other basic needs. He needs to get married. And this sukoon can only come from this nikah. And this sukoon cannot come without it also. And if a person tries to acquire the sukoon in some other way, on the surface it might seem that he's having a very merry time, but under the surface it is a totally different picture. It is torment and it is turmoil and everything negative. Besides what seems on the surface, everything is opposite. So Allah Ta'ala has created these spouses for this purpose. لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا So that you may acquire the sukoon. And وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمًا Now this system Allah Ta'ala created for various reasons, for various purposes. Allah Ta'ala alone knows his hikmat best. But the obvious things are that in order for the human race to continue for the purpose of procreation, Allah Ta'ala created the system where this bond becomes that kind of bond which is natural. But it's not a thing that is, comes out of natural situations. A child is born, there's a natural bond between parents and child. But this is something that is developed, but it becomes such. Allah Ta'ala creates such a bond that as if it was natural. Whereas it is acquired. So this is something that Allah has created for this purpose. And this void can only be fulfilled in this manner. But, as we said earlier, that this can be heaven on earth, but it has to be made heaven on earth. It won't automatically become that. And Allah forbid, if a person doesn't try to make it heaven on earth, then it can also become hell on earth. Now how is it going to become heaven on earth? That is the crucial question. And it can only become heaven on earth in one way. There is no two ways about it. That one way is only what Allah wa ta'ala has himself declared in the Quran Sharif. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا That in the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala has placed the best example for every facet of life. Every aspect of life, there's only one way of making it a success is by following the way of life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And Allah taught how to make marriage heaven on earth. And this is something that requires a person to invest in it. Normally we would use the word invest, immediately a person starts thinking of six figures. No, investment is not only in terms of money. And especially in this particular case, in the context of nikah, that is among the secondary issues. 
invest in this sense would be investing our time, investing our mind to think correctly of how to handle situations. So investing in terms of thinking, planning, investing in terms of how to keep the bond of love continuing is not something that's meant for the first month as some people say that the first month during the honeymoon is full moon and then after that it's a lunar eclipse throughout their life so this is something that is far from the reality what Nabi Islam has taught is to keep it full moon throughout life yes sometimes some clouds might come in between and it might seem a little dim but it must remain shining full moon throughout life and that Allah's Nabi Islam has taught sometimes person says well alhamdulillah that's all in its place you know the pressures I have you know, sometimes in this type of life that we have in the modern age and the kind of responsibilities I have and the various other things if we consider that who could have been busier than Nabi Wasallam, who had the entire affairs of the ummah to run and to take care of who could have had more pressures than him sometimes there's message coming of this clan they are preparing to come and attack the Muslims sometimes it's the kuffar of Makkah preparing to come and launch an attack on Madinah Munawara sometimes it's from the Yahud and what kind of pressures would have come then sometimes a person says well I'm under this kind of fear who could have had more fear than Rasulullah one is in terms of fear of the world Allah's Nabi himself says I've been put through so much of fear that nobody else was put through but fear of the world was a secondary thing the fear of Allah Ta'ala Allah's Nabi saw Jannat and Jahannam with his eyes he saw Jahannam with his eyes also and therefore he even said had you known what I know had you known what I know, what I've seen with my eyes, then you would have laughed less and you would have cried more. And in the rewrite of Behaqi, the additional portion that is there, You would not even have had any thought about being intimate with your wives. This is in the context that we are talking about. And despite all this, Allah's Nabi Islam being the busiest of people, being the one under the most amount of pressure of all these various things, having been put through this greatest amount of fear, and having seen Jannat and Jahannam also with his eyes. So that ma'rifat of what is the reality of Jahannam, and Allah's Nabi Islam was ma'asum. He was already given the glad tidings beforehand. But when a person's child is ill, no matter how healthy he is, he is more sick than the child. Allah's Nabi Islam, the love he had for his ummah is beyond what any parent has for their child. So what will happen to the ummah? Where they'll end up? This is the Jahannam I've seen with my eyes. Therefore Nabi Islam says, if you knew it, you wouldn't even, even become intimate. But despite all this, Allah's Nabi Islam taught us how to make marriage also heaven on earth. And maybe just, by the way, somebody might say, all this is in its place. You know, it's easy to talk. I got two wives. Nabi Islam had at one time, in one stage in his li life, nine wives. 
Though it's not permissible for the ummah to have more than four. But Nabi Islam, there were various hikmats and wisdoms behind this. Why Allah Ta'ala made this happen? So that the aspects within the household could pass to the woman of the ummah. And various other maslihat and expediencies for which Allah Ta'ala made this happen. That Nabi Islam got married so many times. But the point is that with all these things that we make excuses, which we make excuses for not being able to do something to make that marriage a place of happiness. Allah's Nabi was far beyond in all these things, in terms of the pressures, in terms of all the various other uh, circumstances, and yet he taught how to make marriage heaven on earth. So this is the lesson that we have to look into, the lesson that Nabi taught, the example that he left behind. And provided we fulfill that, or we, we follow that example, then inshallah Allah Ta'ala has promised success in it. Success in the akhirat, success in this dunya as well. So the point is that we have to now look into the example of Rasulullah and we have to see what is these, the guideline, what is the prescription, and what will make this marriage heaven on earth. Now in order to just take it further, marriage, when a person gets married, then everybody gives the person dua. This dua started off from Nabi Sallallahu He thought that what is marriage about? That marriage is something of great barakat. And therefore dua for barakat is made. Dua for barakat is given to the couple when they get married. When Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha got married to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an, Nabi Sallallahu gave them dua and that is a dua that then now has is the masnoon dua. Allahumma barik fihima. Allahumma barik lahuma. Allahumma barik fi binaihima. Allahumma barik fi naslihima. Ya Allah put barakat in every aspect of their marriage. Barakat for them and in them. Barakat in their union. Barakat in their progeny. Barakat in every aspect. There's a time of barakat. Now, marriage will become heaven on earth when it starts off with barakat. Unfortunately, often we start depriving ourselves of the barakat even before the marriage. And this is the first crucial thing that we have to take note of. Unfortunately, let alone the couple that are to be married, sometimes even parents, extended family, all take it for granted that this is part of life. And this is how it's supposed to be. That before marriage, there must be communication, there must be even courting, there must be various other things carrying on. And this is the total opposite of how to bring the barakat in. This will bring the opposite of barakat. This will bring nikmat. It will deprive us of all the barakat. It will bring the difficulties. So, this is the first thing that we don't engage in those things that will deprive us of the barakat. This courting, etc., what is it all about? The couple are not married. This is no less than zina. And now if this marriage is going to start off on the note of haram, zina la'ayni an nazr, the zina of the eyes is to look at somebody that is not permissible to look at. When nikah hasn't taken place, that is impermissible. Zina of the tongue to talk without necessity to somebody who is not permissible to talk to, some ghair mahram. 
Till that nikah hasn't taken place, they are totally haram on each other. They are non-mahrams. So now if this is going to be the first part of nikah, or rather the foundation for when the nikah is going to come on, we've deprived ourselves. And worse is, one is that a person engages in this wrong, but he is conscious that what I'm doing is wrong, it's haram. That is bad enough. Worse is some feel that there's nothing wrong with it. This is istihlalul haram. Making something haram into halal. Allah forbid this can endanger a person's iman depending on what level of how he's thinking about it. So this is the first thing. There isn't time to go into these details. But we need to cut out all the haram before nikah. So there are many other things. This is one of the things that we need to t- take note of. And the other aspects, inshallah, which you will in, from time to time be hearing from the ulama ikram, reading in authentic literature, we have to keep in mind this. Then come to the nikah itself. We're talking about barakat and how to bring the barakat. Then it will be how to keep the barakat. So first is how to bring the barakat. Let it start off on the foundation of halal. Don't bring any haram into it. Then how to bring the barakat in the nikah itself, in the occasion of the nikah. So Allah's Nabi Salaam has given the guideline to that very clearly. That in the a'zaman nikahi barakatan aysarahu ma'una o kama qala Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We listen to this in the khutbah of the nikah. That the nikah wherein the greatest barakat will be is that nikah which in the, wherein the least expenses were incurred. So the simple lesson is keep it simple. That's a simple lesson about it. But as far as possible, keep it simple. That is where the greatest barakat will come. Unfortunately, there is a race out there in the world of how to outdo one another if there is an excess of wealth. And sometimes there isn't even an excess of wealth. On borrowed wealth, there's a race out there to outdo one another in how to host a better function. And more lavish. And now that is not good enough. It will have to include a whole lot of other haram elements also to make it more exciting. So now already the barakat we are depriving our own children. We make dua for them. Ya Allah, give them barakat in their marriage. But we are the ones who host that kind of function for them that deprives them of the barakat. And then we say, but we can't have this like a funeral. After all, it's a wedding. Somebody will say that this is a funeral one. Nowadays in funeral also they are having so much more uh, more lavish kind of funerals also. This is a wedding. But Allah's Nabi Islam has given one simple guideline. Inna nikahi barakatan Nikah is simple. And as we said, it's a fundamental, it's a basic need. And to the extent of how important something is for human beings, Allah Ta'ala has kept it that easy. A, it is vital for survival. If a person doesn't have air to breathe for one minute, two minutes, it will be too much, he will expire, he will die. So because it is so vital, it is free. He doesn't even ask anybody permission. And it is there all the time. He doesn't even have to be conscious of trying to breathe. Because it is so vital. And water, he can do without water for a few hours, maybe a day, two days. But he needs it. So it comes down from the skies for free. Gushes out of the earth. And we're not... But it will be a little bit more effort. Not as easy as air. You can do without water for a short while. And food, also basic necessity. But a little bit more effort in it. But also very easily available. 
But gold and silver, you'll have to dig very deep down in the earth. If he doesn't see gold and silver his whole life too, life can still pass. So nikah is very, very necessary. It's a basic need. So Allah Ta'ala has kept it that simple, that easy. And how easy? Hazrat Salman Radiallahu just understand this from this incident. He sends Abu Darda Radiallahu to go and propose for him to a certain house, to the daughter of that house, that take this proposal of mine. So he's waiting, and Abu Darda Radiallahu comes, and he meets the parent, the father, and he then puts the proposal of Hazrat Salman Radiallahu so the parents think about it and they say, Amma Salman, Fala Nuzawijuhu. Wala kinna Nuzawijuk. Look, Salman, we don't want to get him, get our daughter married to Salman. Whatever is their choice. We don't want to get our daughter married to Salman. But if you want, we'll get her married to you. Now he brought somebody's proposal and came. And they are proposing to him. But in any case, they made themselves clear that we have no intention of getting our daughter married to Salman. So that chapter is closed. So now it's left to him. So he considered it and he said yes and the nikah took place right there and now he comes back to the Salman and he says to him that something has happened something has happened and I'm feeling embarrassed to talk about it what happened what are you feeling embarrassed about so this is what happened I took your proposal I came back married. Imagine if it was somebody else, somebody, one of us. He said, yeah, you snookered me. So, but he said that I'm feeling embarrassed. Hazrat Salman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, look at this is the heart. Hazrat Salman radiallahu anhu responds and he says, Ana an astahi. I have greater need to be embarrassed, not you. I must be more embarrassed. Why? That I proposed for her وَقَانَ قَدْ قَدَ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَقَانَ قَدْ قَدَاهَ اللَّهُ لَكَ That I sent this proposal for her whereas she was already destined for you. I shouldn't even have thought in that direction. I'm feeling embarrassed. that She was in your taqdeer and I thought about it. Now this is how simple it was. He took somebody's proposal, he came back married. Because nikah is a need. Allah has kept it so simple also. So this is something that to keep the, to bring the barakat, the simplicity in the nikah. One is before the nikah, we cut out all the haram. And then in the nikah, we keep it simple. Now to come further in the aspects of the nikah itself, there's this little pamphlet that we have, which unfortunately couldn't get printed in time to be distributed, inshallah, it'll come soon. So I will read some things from here and we'll take it along from there. There are various subtitles, subtopics, and we'll discuss it in the light of these subtopics here. One is, now this nikah has taken place, Allah Ta'ala has made this couple, husband and wife, and now they're going to live together. And they have to make this heaven on earth. It won't happen by the press of a button. It'll have to be worked on. So one is, that now there's two people involved here. And since there's two people involved, so both have to play the role. But now we are talking to ourselves here. This is our discussion. It's just a different issue now. There are many wives are also listening. 
And perhaps when somebody goes home, they might be greeted with, I hope you heard well. So that's a different issue now. Unfortunately, we'll have to now just take that as it comes. But as Mark announced, that there will be a different program addressing the woman. So when the women are addressed, they will be told what is their responsibility. But we have to understand what is our responsibility. So therefore, if, and once this happened, there was a problem between a couple. So somebody gave each one one book, gave the husband something about the rights of the husband or the, the responsibilities of the husband, and gave the same, wife, uh, the same book to the wife. It had both the responsibility of husband and wife in the whole book, was all, everything included. So after a while, the thing started getting even water. The problem was the wife was reading all the sections that were pertaining to the husband. I will tell him, you rather read page number 45, something very pertinent for you there. And the husband was reading all the things that were addressed to the wife. That you rather read page 67. So how is that going to resolve anything? How is that going to improve anything? When each party will worry about what is their responsibility. This is the western part of it. That everyone must worry about their rights. Demand their rights. Parents demand their rights, children their rights. Husband must demand his rights, wife her rights. This is the western concept. Islam has also given rights. But Islam has taught to be concerned about fulfilling responsibilities. Ansar, Nabi Islam said to them, that a time will come when you'll find others will be given preference over you. In other words, your right might be there, others will be given preference. Fasbiru hatta talqawni ala al-hawd. Then what you must do? Start toy-toying outside. No, Nabi Sallallahu said, Fasbiru. Make sabr. At the house kawsar, I will give you what you were deprived of in the world. In a manner that the whole world can't pay you. This is the teaching of deen. Normally we say that it takes two hands to clap. Indeed, it takes two hands to clap. And a person says, well, both parties must play their part because it takes two hands to clap. And if two hands don't clap, only one hand gets left, all you can do is slap them. But deen, Nabi Islam has taught us how to make it clap with one hand also. He has taught us something called akhlaq. Akhlaq will make one clap with one hand also. And akhlaq will in time make the other hand clap too. So we have to look at it from the concept of deen. From the concept of the sunnah of Rasulullah As we said, he made it heaven on earth. And he taught us how to make it heaven on earth. That's the only way it will be heaven on earth, no other way. Many a times there are problems in marriages and people go for counseling to people who don't have iman also. What kind of counseling such a person is going to give? Because the only method and prescription of peace and happiness and tranquility can only be in what Allah Ta'ala has given and what Nabi Sallallahu has practically demonstrated and has taught. So in any case, to take it further, the first thing is now how to make this life, heaven on earth, the general conduct. With regards to this general conduct, meaning how are we going to live? How are we going to live at home? How are we going to live as a husband? How is the husband going to treat his wife? So we have to go back to the Quran Sharif. And who is speaking on behalf of the woman? The rub of the woman and the rub of men. Allah Ta'ala is speaking on their behalf. Can we imagine if the president writes a little note to somebody that so-and-so is coming, please take care of him. He's my friend, please take care of him. 
that one note comes and a person will put everything aside. A note from the president. Who is the president? Today is the president, tomorrow is the prisoner. Allah Rabbul Izzat is in the Quran Sharif saying that I will, that the servants of mine who I have given in your nikah, I also take one note from myself. Allah Ta'ala is interceding on behalf of the wives. That treat them kindly in the world. Treat them kindly. Now somebody will say, but you know, it takes two hands to clap. Now everything is not happening. The, you know, both sides are not playing their part. Allah Ta'ala is further saying, answering that beforehand. If you dislike something about them, Perhaps in what you dislike, Allah Ta'ala put good for you in it. Can you imagine? Allah Ta'ala is interceding on behalf of that wife. Supposing you say, no, something is not right here. I don't like many habits and many things. Allah Ta'ala says, maybe Allah Ta'ala put good for you in the same person. If there is one thing that is negative, there will be positives also. Focus on the positives. Allah Ta'ala finished intercede on behalf of his servants. But Nabi Sallallahu still intercedes on their behalf. Can we imagine? Allah Ta'ala finished intercede. But Allah's Nabi Sallallahu also intercedes. And he says, bin now, This is the husband being addressed. So now, we say, well, it takes two hands to clap. Right now, it's only the husband being addressed. Allah Ta'ala is addressing the husband. And Nabi Islam is addressing the husband. That except my wasiyat. Wasiyat is emphasized nasihat. Nasihat is advice. When it's emphasized, then you call it wasiyat. That's why a person's parting wish, parting advice is called wasiyat. What else is going to talk about which is most important to him at that time? So it's called wasiyat. Very emphasized. Accept my wasiyat of treating the woman well. And after having mentioned that, Nabi Islam says, Listen, you might have questions in your mind. You might be thinking many things. Then let me tell it to you in advance. Before you start objecting and before you start putting up your questions, let me tell it to you in advance. Inna al-mar'ata khuliqat min dila'in. That woman has been created from a rib. Don't ever expect her to be totally straight. If you want that she must listen to everything you say and it must be how you want it, then don't expect it to happen. One person, he found one bottle somewhere, so he opened it. So somebody had trapped one jinnat inside. This is probably from the Lal Kitab. I don't know which page number. There's no pages in the Kitab in any case. So the Jinnat came out. So now because he released the Jinnat, the Jinnat told him, well, fine, you did me a favor. So you know, Jinns can do amazing things. So what do you want? I'll do something for you. So he said, well, there's a chance. Jinns can do amazing things. So he had to, every month, oh, well, I don't know how often, I had to keep going to China. So he said, well, just build one highway for me directly, you know, just catching this plane and all these visas and whatever else. I'll just drive through, just build one highway for me. So the jinn said, you know what, be reasonable, highway across the oceans. And, oh, 
to see something now going you know, beyond the limit now. Ask for something else. So he thought about it. He said, okay, just, just make this much happen that my wife listens to everything I say. So the jinn kept quiet. After scratching his head for a while, he said, okay, that highway, two lanes or three lanes? <laughs> so, this is something Allah's Nabi Salaam finished say up front. Don't expect everything to happen how you want it. You can be the boss elsewhere. But indoors, forget about it. Don't try to be the boss. You rather just continue the way Allah's Nabi Salaam has told you. How he has explained it. Just follow the intercession that Allah Ta'ala has given. Yes, you have to direct everything. At the end of the day, you are the driver. Don't be the boss, but you are the driver. Let not that escape your mind and heart that you're going to have to drive this vehicle. And the driver has to keep his eyes on the road. And the driver has to keep his hand on the steering. Somebody else will jump around. Somebody might do something else. They will look in the back everywhere. The driver can't afford to jump around. Otherwise, he'll create disaster. So in any case, this general conduct of a husband is guided by these principles. The principle of the Quran Sharif, that Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala has interceded on their behalf. وَعَاشِرُهُنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And Nabi Islam intercession, that اِسْتَوْسُ بِالنِّسَاءِ خَيْرًا Accept my wasiyat of treating them kindly and well in the world. So this general conduct, this is the usul and the principle of it. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then emphasized this in so many different ways. خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ وَأَنَا خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ The best among you. The best among you. Obviously the Sahaba have been spoken about. They couldn't imagine somebody not fulfilling the obligations of deen. So that goes without saying. That a person can't be best without fulfilling the obligations of deen. And what is compulsory, what is necessary. But after having fulfilled the obligations, who's going to be the best? Nabi Islam says, خَيْرُكُمْ خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ The best among you is the one who is best to his wife. وَأَنَا خَيْرُكُمْ لِأَهْلِهِ And I among all of you is best to my wife. Nobody can compare with me in this regard. So Nabi Islam is emphasizing it in so many ways. This is what we have to now use as the principle and the, some of the guidelines. We can't go through all the points that are here now. But nevertheless, one guiding principle that live with your wife in the manner that you will want somebody to be a husband to your daughter. Be the kind of husband to your wife in the same manner that you will want your son-in-law to treat your daughter. Always put yourself in that shoes. And if a person keeps this in mind, then inshallah that is sufficient. That if your daughter errs, what will be the kind of response you will hope for? You will wish for from your son-in-law. So she is also somebody's daughter. She is also somebody's granddaughter. She is also somebody's sister. So how you would want somebody to treat your daughter, your sister, your granddaughter. So she is also somebody's daughter and sister. So that is enough to guide a person to move ahead with life and make this heaven on earth. Then, the second very vital thing, which is linked to what we just spoke about, and is what, we, what makes one clap with one hand. Our concept is that one hand can only slap. 
How can you clap with one hand? But Nabi Islam has taught us how to clap with one hand. And that is the hand of akhlaq. Akhlaq has been taught to us to clap with one hand. And to understand this clapping with one hand, Nabi Islam has summed up this akhlaq in one hadith. Entire aspect of akhlaq summed up in one hadith. Sil man qata'ak wa'fu amman zalamak wa ahsin ila man asailik. Now this is a general thing, a general advice that sil man qata'ak join ties with the one who cuts off ties from you. General in terms of family relationships. Now who is more entitled to this than one's own wife? If this applies to one distant uncle, it applies to one distant cousin, and it applies all across, then how much more it apply to one's wife? Don't worry, we'll tell the wives also how much it apply to the husband. But for us to understand, Silman qata'ak, wa'fu amman zalamak, forgive the one who has oppressed you. And then, the last aspect, if we engrave this on our hearts, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَى مَنْ أَسَعَ إِلَيْكَ That if somebody has treated you badly, you return his bad treatment with good treatment. Clap with one hand. With the hand of akhlaq. But. So one hand can clap also in deen. Not out, out there in the world. Out there in the world, one hand can only slap. But the akhlaq that Nabi Salaam taught, one claps with one hand. And therefore in the hadith, Nabi Salaam says, أَكْمَلُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِيمَانًا Akmalul mu'minina imanan. Again, in the same context that we spoke of earlier, that the Sahaba being addressed. The person, the believer with the most perfect iman. Who? Person who performs tahajjud the whole night. The person who fasts every day of the year, besides the days it is haram. The person who gives millions in charity. Many a times, we restrict piety to these things. It's very great. These amal are tremendous. But Allah's Nabi Salaam is saying, Akmalul Mu'minina Imanan. The person with the most perfect iman, Ahsanuhum Khuluqa, is the one who has the best akhlaq. So now, if a person wants to test his iman, how perfect is it? Then should test his akhlaq and check his akhlaq with everybody in general. How he deals with his parents, with his children with his colleagues at work, with his subordinates, and anyway in general, people in society, how does he deal with them? What is his akhlaq? That is his thermometer. But now one is that a person wants to get his blood sugar reading, for example, so now he has to send it to the lab, the result will come after a while. But now sometimes he wants to get an immediate reading. One is a long process, three month average and so on. He wants to get an immediate reading, that he's got the glucometer at home. Gives you the reading in a few seconds. So Allah gave us our glucometer at home also. Akmalul mu'minina imanan ahsaluhum khuluqan. The most, the most perfect mu'min is the one who has the best akhlaq. In the same hadith, Nabi Islam says, wa khiyarukum khiyarukum The best among you is the one who is best to his wife. One is the lab test, but there's the home test also. Your glucometer will tell you. Probably they're already listening. So in any case, I was going to say, don't take it home because the sugar levels might rise very high. But that might have already happened in any case. So the point is akhlaq. 
Akhlaq is what will make this home heaven on earth. And without akhlaq, bring everything in the home. Bring the most luxurious things in the home. Every comfort that money can buy. Bring whatever you can bring. But it will be a house, it won't be a home. If there's no akhlaq, then it will be four walls. And there will be emptiness. There will be, it'll be a house, there won't be any home. A home, even if there isn't one luxury in it. There might be even starvation in that home. But if there's akhlaq in that home, it'll be a home. There'll still be sukoon. There'll be pain of hunger. But there'll still be sukoon of the comfort. That this is something that cannot be described in any other way. It cannot be described in words. Allah Ta'ala grants the sukoon. Because Allah Ta'ala has said and has already declared it, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا so in any case, this akhlaq is what is going to make this house a home. What is going to make this bond heaven on earth. And akhlaq is a very lengthy topic in itself. There are so many aspects to akhlaq. We don't have time to go into those details. But this akhlaq is what will make this bond a bond. And one of the points that I hear is that deal with one's wife in such a way and have such a loving presence at home that your family members look forward to you. They should not dread your presence. When the person is coming home, then they are already busy reading some wazifas. And everybody is on tenterhooks. One person, just to maybe understand this in a little bit different way, one person was in a coma, but it appeared that he had passed away. So they thought he passed away, so they gave the ghusl, put the kafan on, everything. Now the wife is sitting and crying, everybody else is sitting around, everybody's crying. Then they, time came, they picked the janaza up, and as they're walking the janaza, there was a tree with a low-lying branch. And they didn't see that, and the janaza hit that branch. And with that jolt, this person came out of the coma. So now they are all taken him for dead, dead, but now he suddenly woke up, he came to life, so to say. Everybody got very happy, brought him back home, life carried on. After some time, he really passed away. Now when he passed away, again the whole process, Usal, Kafan, everybody sitting, his wife is sitting there, she's crying. Now the time came again to take the janaza, so the sons came. So as they were about to pick the janaza, the wife called the son close, and in his ear she said, look when you're going, watch out for that branch. <laughs> must it happen, he might come back just now. Now this must be also from the Lal Kitab, but in any case, it's something for us to reflect. That what is our akhlaq at home? When we walk into the home, does it bring happiness? Or when we walk out of the home, does it bring happiness? Does it bring a sigh of relief when the person walks out? Or does it bring joy when the person walks in? And it is a kind of akhlaq that a person will live in in that home. What type of akhlaq he adopts in that home? That is what will either make his presence welcome or it will make his absence welcome. So this aspect of akhlaq is something that we have to pay attention on. And this is what will make this home a home. Then there are various day-to-day -day things. We are skipping many things, but some of the things. How a person enters the home? How does he leave the home? When a person enters the home, does he enter to start off with in the manner that Allah wa has said? 
Allah Ta'ala has given us guidelines of how to enter the home. وَإِذَا دَخَلْتُمْ بُيُوتًا فَسَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِكُمْ تَحِيَّةً مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُبَارَكَةً طَيِّبًا Enter with salam. You'll bring barakat in your home. When barakat comes, barakat is happiness. We are generally concerned about kasrat. That there must be more. More of everything. More wealth, more luxuries, more comforts. More of everything. But barakat? Barakat is something else. Sometimes a person's kasrat is excess. If it comes without barakat, that excess becomes the more it is, the bigger azab it becomes. And if it comes with barakat, alhamdulillah, then the more, the more barakat. But the issue is how to make it barakat. So as far as the home is concerned, it will come when bringing alive deen in the home. And among the things are, the sunnahs of how to enter the home. Enter the home with salam. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi enter with salam. He said, enter smiling. Nowadays, the situation is opposite. Person enters, there's no salam. He's probably, the first thing he's asking about is, is the food ready? And then he can't smile anymore because he's been smiling the whole day with everybody else with whom it was haram to smile with. Yes ma'am and no ma'am. And all those who is just haram to smile with, he got so tired smiling, his muscles in his jaws are so tired now that there's only now the muscles of the forehead can work, he can frown only. Smiling is now too difficult. Whereas all the smiles were supposed to be for the home. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam smiling. And smiling is something which in one hadith Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Don't regard any good deed as trivial. Don't regard it as small or insignificant. Even though it means merely smiling at your Muslim brother. Meeting him smilingly. So now, a person, if he is going to get sawab for smiling at his Muslim brother, when he goes home and he smiles at his wife, will he not get rewarded for that? And smiling, this, this hadith sharif, is one is the reward. But over and above this, in terms of physical benefits, together with this rather, this is the greatest thing, the reward from Allah wa ta'ala. In, the, in terms of research, medical research, they say smiling has a therapeutic effect on a person's being, well-being. And it has been used to treat depression. The whole method and process about it, but smiling among other things, whatever they use, whatever medication and everything else put together, smiling is used as a form of therapy for depression. And think about it, if a person smiles, even if he didn't smile wholeheartedly, but it makes some difference inside. Something happens inside, it changes the, it changes the mood for a moment. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi enter smiling. Now the person entered the house frowning. What kind of mood is going to set in the house? Now is it going to be heaven on earth or the opposite? So these are simple things. Time is very limited obviously. We can't go into many details. Inshallah this will be distributed later. But the point is we have to learn these simple things. And make time for it. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi should take care about the finer details. On one occasion he says to us, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. I imagine these things we would not even give it a second thought. Nabi Islam says to her that I know when you are happy with me 
and when you are upset with me. Now another aspect to think about this. Who is saying? Who is saying this? Allah's Nabi Wasallam. And who is he saying it to his wife? Now if we just look at it in a general note, how can somebody be unhappy and upset with the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala? Na'uzubillah, somebody might pass some fatwa on this. But she wasn't unhappy with him in his capacity as a Nabi. But there's a different relationship in the capacity of husband and wife. And Nabi Islam is teaching us that there is some leeway in this. If there's leeway in this with the Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, then who is anybody else? That the wife has some leeway to sometimes be upset. Because sometimes in being upset, she makes us a way of demanding love and asking for attention because that is her haq to be given attention and unfortunately these things many a times these complaints come as it is my husband hardly gives us any time and when he does come home too then do he's sitting and playing games on the computer he's playing games on his phone he hardly spends time at home and when he's spending time at home He's playing games on the phone. He's an adult. But his childhood hasn't left him. He's an adult, but his childhood hasn't left him. He's playing PSP. Whereas PSP should stand for please stop playing. But he's still carrying on playing. And his family is neglected. So, Nabi Islam is saying to Aisha that I know when you are upset with me and when you are happy with me. So she said, really? How do you know? She said, when you are happy with me, you say, wa Rabbi Muhammad. You take a qasam in the name of the Rabb of Muhammad And if you are unhappy, you are a little bit upset, and something comes up, you'll say, wa Rabbi Ibrahim. You'll say, by the Rabb of Ibrahim. She said, yes, definitely. Wa la ahjuru illa ismak. O Nabi Allah Ta'ala, the only thing I leave out is your name. I don't leave you. Your love in my heart is still the same. But I just omit the name. Allah's Nabi not just tolerated this. He made it a light thing. Yes, I know what's going on. Don't think I missed it. And he made it a light thing and dismissed it. But he taught us a lesson there. That there are these fine things that if a person has detected that there's something out of place. Now imagine this fine. That was her Kamal also. That she felt something in that context of husband and wife. All she did was she just merely just changed the name only. She didn't express it in any other way. That was her Kamal. Allah's Nabi Wasallam was looking for even that. And he had time to display that affection and make things even happier. We are talking about heaven on earth. As we said, many a times it is felt that some of these things that are spoken about in the ahadith, etc. This is for the honeymoon. Whereas the akhlaq of Nabi Wasallam is to make the entire life honeymoon. Allah's Nabi Wasallam, one of the things about spending time, etc., showing that affection. These are things which we thought maybe, you know, these things are in the West or somewhere. What does the West know about these things? Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi taught us the pure way of life. And it's even shown us the pure way of making this marriage heaven on earth. As Aisha Siddiqah says, that when she would drink from some utensil, Nabi Sallallahu would turn that utensil to drink from the spot that she drank from. If she took a morsel, a bite from some food, Nabi Sallallahu would take it and take a bite from the very same spot. Now the question is why? 
what is this what difference is going to make will it make any difference to the taste of the food to the taste of the water no it won't bring any extra sweetness in the water but it will sweeten the heart of the wife there was no other reason the reason was to bring the happiness to the wife of to the heart of his wife that i have as they say justice what is to do justice but justice must be seen to be done the other is a person says no i got all the affection in my heart many a person says this i got all the affection in my heart that affection in the context of marriage must be seen to be displayed also must be seen to be existing not only in the hearts allah's nabi saw us teaching us that that he took pains to display this affection unfortunately nowadays there is a pretense of affection in an immodest and immoral way indoors it is that opposite of heaven on earth and then they walk hand on hand in hand outside displaying something to the whole world that they pretending to be uh, pretending what is not the case haya dictates that that is not something for outdoors and worse worse than that is that there have been problems on this on this point alone that some wife is upset at the husband that you don't walk hand in hand with me in the bazaar in the mall that has become a a point of contention this is as a result of haya having dropped and gone out of our lives the pure life that nabi sallallahu taught that we abandoned and the pretense that the west is putting up for the world to see this the pretense that is what you have to follow and then the end result is where the west has gone one in three homes and now that was old statistics allah knows best what it is now one in three homes is what is called a single parent home so the pure life that nabi sallallahu alaihi taught that is what is going to bring this peace this happiness there are many things that are here which unfortunately time has already passed we will terminate with one thing that is here is that together with all these things this is a learning process nothing happens overnight all this is something that requires a lot of tolerance a lot of patience it requires a lot of uh helm this tolerance which is a topic on its own to develop all this but this is what as we said a learning process if it is a learning process we have to learn it and apart from learning these things we have to learn what is the most fundamental thing of how to bring deen in the lives because this is the first prescription of making it heaven on earth bringing deen in the khutbah of the nikah is three ayats that are recited and all the ayats speak about taqwa all the ayats speak about taqwa without taqwa it cannot be heaven on earth so to bring, make it heaven on earth we will have to have taqwa for the taqwa we have to have the talim in our homes the talim will create that environment it will create that understanding it will create the appreciation of deen when the appreciation of deen is there then the akhlaq of deen will appreciate we will want to bring in deen in its entirety in our lives and when that comes then this will become heaven on earth then to bring the barakat in this home further as we said the barakat how will come in the nikah to maintain this to increase it we have to make this house a place where allah taala is remembered the zikr of allah tbaraka wa taala is taking place the tilawat of the quran sharif taking place there is deen being learned and taught when this is the daily routine of the home when this happens without fail then this will bring barakat in the home 
And when there's barakat in the home, then the hearts will be united. The hearts are united, then that is heaven on earth. Even though there might not be any comforts and luxuries, there might be physical pain, but when the hearts are united, there's heaven on earth. And if the hearts are disunited, then with everything else on earth, it's still hell on earth. So these are the basic things that we have to look into, we have to consider carefully, and we have to learn these things as we said that these are just some pointers. We have to go to the Ulama Ikram, find out what literature we should read. Everything is not meant for reading also. Some things might just turn our mind in some wrong direction. We find out what to read, select the correct things to read, take the advice. One vital thing is that every marriage, there are some ups, there are some downs. But like in any other aspect in life, in order to negotiate something that is more complicated, a person takes advice from somebody. How to go through these situations? Unfortunately, when it comes to married life, then many a person just takes it upon himself to decide how to handle a situation on his own. Whereas these are things we should take advice from people of experience. They are elders in every family. People who have seen life. They have seen what is, how to go about things in life. We go to the elders of the family. Keep it indoors as far, far as possible. Keep it within the family circle. They are experienced people, pious people, people with good understanding. Go to them. This is a problem. It is rather that a person feels a little bit embarrassment to say there is a problem. Rather than wait for something to explode and say, well, I didn't do anything about it. So find out. Make mashwara. And when a person will make mashwara, then Nabi Islam is already giving the prescription for mashwara. The person who makes mashwara won't regret. Some good will come out of it. Allah Ta'ala puts that barakat in that mashwara. There is some difficulty, one makes mashwara and one moves forward. Allah Ta'ala will find ways out for him and make ways out for him. Allah Ta'ala grant all of us a tawfiq to do whatever is in our capacity to learn the way of life of Rasulullah وسلم, that will make our homes heaven on earth. Allah Ta'ala grant one and all the tawfiq. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العاز الأكرم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله